Hosea chapter 9, verse 14. The title of the message this morning is, What Wilt Thou Give? What Wilt Thou Give? The past few months we've been studying God's response to the sin of Israel as a nation. And by doing so, we've learned a lot about sin's role and God's involvement in the rise and fall of national powers. At least we should have. In our study of Hosea, I hope you've learned to see how God works behind the scenes to raise a nation up and to bring a nation down. The world may blame natural disasters. The world may blame the, the poor economy or disease or, uh, uh, or, or war or famine as the uh, cause of their national ruin. But in the book of Hosea, we learn that our spiritual health directly affects our national health. And God has complete sovereignty over nature. He has sovereignty over the famine. He has sovereignty over the economy. He has sovereignty over our national security as well as our physical well-being, as we'll learn in the text this morning. Speaking of the rebellious people of Israel, Hosea said, verse 14, Give them O Lord, let's pause there. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you for those who came here this morning. I'm excited, Father, about getting into the scriptures this morning. I thank you for those, Lord, who came here to learn your word, who have their Bibles open, their ears open, and their hearts open to the word of God. And may your Holy Spirit be so faithful as he always is, Father, to teach your saints to feed them the bread of heaven. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name, as we yield ourselves wholly unto you now, both to teach and to learn, in Christ's name, amen. Hosea is calling for the Lord to give something to the people of Israel. Give them, O Lord. The Hebrew word translated give here, it's very interesting to study. Especially when you go back, and this is where I like to start. If I'm going to study a word, I like to see how it's first used in the Bible. Do you do that, Brother Shepherd? I enjoy that very much. It kind of sets a precedence for it. And so it, when you go back and you see where this, this Hebrew word that's translated give here, you see how it's first used in the Bible, you're going to see that it was used when God made the sun, the moon, and the stars, and He set them in the firmament of heaven. That Hebrew word translated set is the same word translated give here in Hosea this morning. Well, Brother Richard, which was it? Is he setting or is he giving? It's all the same thing when you understand the richness of this word. You see, when God set those lights in the heaven, he was setting them in their proper place. He was giving the heaven what belonged to it. You understand that? By setting those lights in the firmament of heaven, God was giving the heaven what belonged to it. The next time you see this word being used in the Bible, it's when God gave the herbs and the fruit trees to Adam as his source of food. Once again, God gave that food source to Adam 
And when he did, he was setting those plants in their proper place. He was giving to mankind what belonged to him. You see how this all goes together. After giving man food, God then gave man a woman. Same word, by the way. He gave this woman to Adam. Once again, God was putting that woman in her proper place. He was giving man that what, what he, by his wise, uh, sovereign, and loving plan uh, had developed, he was giving man what belonged to him. Setting that woman in her proper place. After God gave Eve to Adam, Eve did just the opposite of what God had been doing. Just the opposite. She gave the forbidden fruit to Adam. Same word. She took that fruit, and instead of doing what God did with the stars and the sun and the moon, when God gave those to the firmament, He set those in the proper place. But she did the opposite. She took that fruit and she set it in the wrong place. She gave to man what did not belong to him. You see what's happening there? When Adam yielded to Eve and he ate that fruit that did not belong to him, do you know what Adam was doing? The same thing Eve had done. Adam put his obedience in the wrong place. He put his love and his devotion in the wrong place. He gave to Eve what did not belong to her. That obedience belonged to God. And guess what? When things started getting out of place is when things started getting very bad for this world. When God sets something in place, it's always good. When man puts something out of place, it always goes wrong. When God gives something, He puts it in its proper place. God gives what justly belongs to the creature He's giving it to. Let that sink in. I'm going to say it again. When God gives something, He puts it in its proper place, giving what justly belongs to the creature He's giving it to. And here Hosea this morning says, Give them, O Lord. Do you realize what Hosea is prophetically asking God to do here? Do you understand what the Lord is about to do based on what Hosea is prophetically praying to him? Give them, O Lord. God is about to give rebellious Israel what justly belongs to them. He's about to set things in their proper place. Because Israel had not given God the faithfulness that justly belonged to him, God is about to give the affliction that justly belonged to them. Because Israel did not give God what justly belonged to him, Hosea now asked God what Israel would be given in return. Give them, O God, look back in your text, what wilt thou give? You're going to give them something. You have to justly return to them what's rightfully due them in their rebellious state. That's what you do. What wilt thou give? 
What will you give these rebellious people, O Lord? And now prophetically, Hosea proceeds to answer the question that he had just asked God. He says, look back in your text, give them a miscarrying womb. Give them a miscarrying womb. I believe that God giving them a miscarrying womb is very um, significant here. I'll explain why here in just a moment. A miscarrying womb. What does that mean? Well, by God's design, a woman carries a child in her womb for nine months, and then she gives birth to that child. She has a carrying womb. A miscarrying womb, however, is one that does not vitally carry that child its full nine-month term. It's an abortive womb. That's what a miscarrying womb is. If you were to look up this word in, in the Hebrew dictionary, it will say ab abortive. An abortive womb does not give birth to a living child. That's a miscarrying womb. Now why is that so significant to our text this morning? Remember how we went back to Genesis to understand the significance of God giving Israel something? We go back to Genesis again to understand the significance of God giving them a miscarrying womb. Before Adam and Eve sinned, before they set things out of their proper place, while God had everything in His proper place, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That's God setting everything in order, giving man, giving beast, what justly belongs to each creature. Verse 27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him. When God gave man the image of God, once again He was giving to man what justly belonged to Him according to His wise design. Male and female created he them, giving to mankind what justly belonged to them according his wise design. He gave them their genders, verse 28, and God blessed them. This is the first blessing that we see given to man. The first blessing we see God given to man, God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The first blessing God gave man was the fruit of their womb. Now, if you're from the 70s, that's not the fruit of the loom, all right? Don't get that mixed up. The fruit of their womb, that was the blessing of God. When God blessed Adam and Eve, He told them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish. That means fill the earth. What was God doing when God blessed them and gave them that fruitful womb? He was setting a blessing in its proper place. He was giving to mankind what justly belonged to them. The blessing of a fruitful womb. The first recorded blessing that God gave man. 
And now we see in the book of Hosea that God is retracting the blessing. When Israel began serving false gods, do you know what they were doing? They were setting their allegiance in the wrong place. Just like Eve gave the, the fruit that did not belong to Adam, they were giving their obedience to a false god that did not belong to it. It's the same thing. Taking everything out of its place. They were getting things out of their divine order, not giving God what justly belonged to Him. Their faithful love and unquestionable obedience. So now, their disorderly conduct was bringing a disorderly curse. The blessing's been retracted. Where God had once set a blessing, He would now set a curse. This was not God's plan. This was man's, or God's response to man's plan. He was setting a blessing where He had once set a curse. Their fruitful womb would now be a miscarrying womb. When God gave Israel a miscarrying womb, He gave them what justly belonged to them. You see? Here's a kingdom truth. When we unjustly give disorder to God, God justly returns disorder to us. We'll say it again. Let it sink in. When we unjustly give disorder to God, God justly returns disorder to us. They unjustly gave disorder to God when they worship false gods. God justly returned disorder to them, giving them a barren womb. Hosea said, give them a miscarrying womb. Look back in your text. And dry breasts. Dry breasts. The dryness of Israel's love for God would result in the dryness of their milk for their children. They were unfruitful to God. And now they would become unfruitful unto themselves. They would have miscarrying wombs and dry breasts, being unable to sustain the fruit of their own womb. How sad. How sad. Any, any, I don't know if any woman in here has ever had to watch their child go hungry for a little bit. And you want to feed the child and you don't have anything to feed it. I hope that's never happened to anyone here. I could only imagine how sad I would be if my child was in that situation. But this is what was going to happen to Israel. Once again, when we unjustly give disorder to God, God justly returns disorder to us. This was out of order. God's order was a fruitful womb and milk in the breast. They got things out of order, so God justly returned disorder to them, unfruitful womb and dryness in the breasts. For this reason, based on this principle... Let me assure you that your life will never be in order until you render to God what justly belongs to Him. Luke chapter 20, verse 25. Jesus' enemies were tempting Him. And they were asking Him about, should, should we render tribute to Caesar? Jesus' answer was absolutely brilliant. And uh, in verse 25, Luke 20, 25, And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar, or give therefore unto Caesar, the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. 
It's January. I just remembered yesterday that I have to go pay my taxes on my house. Soon it will be April. I will have to pay taxes to the federal government, or at least reckon with them on those taxes. Maybe they'll owe me. I don't know. But when we pay our taxes, we're setting things in their proper place. When we pay our taxes, we're setting that money in its proper place. When we pay our tithes, we're setting that money in its proper place. When we pay our reverence, our obedience, our unfailing love and devotion to God, we are setting things in their proper place. When you give obedience to God, you're setting obedience in His proper place. You're giving God what justly belongs to Him. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, the high priest told the apostles to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. I mean, miracles are being done. People are still following Jesus, even after He's been dead and raised from the dead. And it's, there's more people following Jesus now than there was before, it seemed like. And they said, you quit teaching in the name of Jesus. Acts 5, 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Do you know what they were doing? They were setting their love, their affection, their obedience in the proper place. They were giving to God what justly belonged to, to Him. They had a choice. They were telling them, don't teach in the name of Jesus. They could have yielded to their demand and obeyed man. But had they obeyed man instead of God, what would they have been doing? They'd have been doing what Eve did. They'd have been taking what, what justly belonged to God and giving them what did not belong to them. But these people, these apostles, they set things in their proper place. Their lives were in order because they set God in His rightful place in their hearts. They gave Him what was justly due Him. But when you don't set things in the rightful place that God ordained for them in your life, then you're bringing disorder and sorrow and a curse into your life. Hosea said, give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. I want you to understand something this morning. I'm going to get very practical with you now. That, was, that is a great spiritual principle for us to apply across the board. And in so doing, I want to elaborate on what Hosea is saying and not only address the general, but also the specific. When God put milk in a woman's breast, He like the stars in heaven, was setting milk in its proper place. When God put babies in their mother's wombs, He, like the stars in heaven, was setting those children in their proper place. It is a blessing to have children in your womb. The first blessing God gave man. It is a blessing to have milk in your breasts. But young woman, and I pray to God no one, over, no one here ever will, but we've got some young girls in here that one day will become women. 
And I want to make sure everybody knows, when you choose to abort your pregnancy, you are refusing God's blessing and you're bringing the curse upon yourself. This was a curse, a miscarrying womb. And I know we all have a fallen flesh and we get sick. And I know people have miscarriages and things like that. And it's not always the curse of God. But in this case, it was. They would have an inordinate amount of miscarriages. Inordinate lack of milk and sustenance for their children. Just like the seven years of famine that happened in the land of Egypt. It was inordinate. It was God-caused. And God put this curse upon Israel, saying, I'm going to give you dry breasts. I am going to give you a miscarrying womb. That was a curse. And when a young woman takes a child in their womb that God's put there, and they elect out of their own selfishness, Yes, selfishness. So well, I, I just wanted to advance my career at the cost of your child's life. Well, I just didn't want to be shackled down with the burden. So you put the burden on your baby and killed it. Oh, that's tough words, Pastor Fulton. They need to be tough. They're true. When you choose to abort your child, you are rejecting the blessing, and instead of God cursing, you're bringing the curse upon yourself. It is a blessing to have children in your womb. It is a blessing to have milk in your breasts. When you abort that child, you're not giving that child what justly belongs to it. Life. When God has given you plenty of good, wholesome breast milk, and you choose to let your breasts grow dry on purpose, which is the best nutrition you can give for your baby. God made that. He designed that. And instead, you choose to let your breasts go dry on purpose, and instead give your baby some substandard powdered formula, you are not setting the blessing of God in its proper place. You are bringing the curse of dry breasts upon yourself. So Brother Richard, that's kind of personal, don't you think? Sure it is. And God addresses it, so we're going to address it here. This is truth. This is God's Word. When God put that baby in your womb, He was putting His blessing in the proper place. And when you, in turn, deliver that child, raise that child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and then give that child back to God for His service, you're returning that child, putting that blessing back in its proper place by giving it to God. Your house is in order, and God will bless it. When God put that milk in your breast, He was putting His blessing in the proper place. And when you, in turn put that milk in your little baby, then you're putting that blessing back in its proper place where God designed it to go. You are giving your child what justly belongs to it. The nutrition God gave you to give him or her. 
remember, whether it's a womb or breasts or obedience, allegiance, worship, remember to give God what justly belongs to Him. Because you can bank on it. Just like with Israel, God's going to give what justly belongs to you in return. I'm going to close with some poetry, which I hadn't done in a while. I want to reduce this sermon to a poem, and we'll go home, God willing. Life and milk, in womb and breast, God sets in order what is best. So always give what's justly due, for He'll return what's just to you. Things set in their proper place returns you, returns to you the proper grace. With that, we'll go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We love you so much. And I pray, dear God, that we as a people, male, female, young and old, whether it's our breast or our womb or whatever you've given us, Lord, that we'll recognize the divine order of God and that we will maintain, Father, the order you've set for us. Father, that we'll give unto you what's justly due to our God, knowing that you will return what's justly due to us, whether for our good or for our correction. Thank you for everything you've done for us, O Lord. We love you so much. Help us to see your order, to know your order and to set things in order in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.